Father, this morning we just come before you with just with humble hearts, Lord, and just thank you, God, for the opportunity we have to come and to be in your presence. God, we thank you that when we call on you, you're there, and we thank you that we can declare that our God is the great I am. And Father, this morning I pray if there's someone here that needs a touch from you, I pray that their heart would be opened. God, just to hear what you have to say to them through your word this morning. God, we ask that you would speak to us and be glorified in the rest of our service, Lord. We love you, and we just ask these things in Jesus' name. All right, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. So we're going to start another little series here, and, and uh, we've been talking about the end times, Matthew 24 and 25. And I want to switch for a moment and talk about three different relationships that we all need to have the leadership of the Holy Spirit in. The relationship between husbands and wives, the relationship between parents and children, and then the relationship between masters and slaves or employers and employees. So today we will talk about the Holy Spirit at work <clears throat> in the relationship between husbands and wives. So a little marriage enrichment Sunday. Here we go. Verse 15, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't be haphazard with your life. Don't be careless with your life. Be careful how you live. Don't light a big piece of dynamite and hand it to somebody and say, do something with it. Not a good idea. Don't just make decisions without any thought. Just don't fly off the handle and just be so spontaneous that you get yourself in a bad spot. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Wives, go ahead and grab your husband's hands. It's okay. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. That's a valuable piece of information right there. First of all, evil days... Time is an evil thing. It's keep on running, it's moving, difficult days all around. Make the most of every opportunity. You can't mess up your opportunities. Opportunities are fleeting. Opportunities are not there very long. Don't stay in bed and miss your opportunities. Don't goof off. Make the most of all your opportunity. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. We need to all understand what the Lord wants us to do. We need to have some clear information about that. Understand what the Lord wants us to do. Don't be led by every wave. Don't be led by every fad. Don't be led by other people. Understand what the Lord wants from you, and be sure that's your primary influencer in life. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. 18 says, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. 
Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So it means can be controlled by the Holy Spirit is what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When we come by faith to know Jesus, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We have received at that moment all of the Holy Spirit that we're going to get. It's not that you receive more and you lose some Holy Spirit. He comes and He lives inside your life. And as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, what that means is we're under the control of the Holy Spirit. Now, just like wine, he uses here, Paul does, excuse me, the illustration of wine. And there could be other things that could be included here instead of wine. It could be money. It could be thrill. It could be pleasures. It could be all kinds of things that it could be there. Don't be drunk with wine. Now, what happens? You drink a glass of wine, okay? Get you another glass of wine, drink it. Now, somewhere, perhaps in most people, between that second glass and that third glass, something begins to take place. The wine begins to control. And if you go on to that fourth glass or that fifth glass or that sixth glass, then wine is in charge of your life. Same with beer, same with whiskey, same with vodka, whatever it might be, right? And if you allow alcohol to control your life, it'll ruin your life. There's no question about that. But the primary teaching here that Paul is making here, just like wine controls your life, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to control your life. Anything else will ruin your life. Whatever has control of your life that's not the Lord, it'll ruin your life. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be some of the wonderful gifts that God has given us. Money's a wonderful thing. Sex is a wonderful thing. Pleasure seeking is a wonderful thing. All these things that God has given us, power and, and, and opportunity can turn into something that can ruin your life. And so whatever it is that's controlling you is, is going to, is going to ruin your life if you're not careful. And so the teaching is, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit controls you, controls your relationships, controls our mind and our heart and our desires and passions. And so we're controlled, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. There's two results that happen when we're controlled by the Holy Spirit. We have joy. We have something to sing about. He says in verse 19, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. Singing is a response of joy in us. A cheerful heart, a joyful heart just wants to sing. He wants to sing about how good the Lord is, about what He's done. There's joy from our life and there's thanksgiving. Joy and thanksgiving. And verse 20 says, And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so there you go. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools who just live for themselves, but live like those who are wise. 
Make the most of all your opportunities in these evil days and understand what the Lord wants from you. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. And don't be controlled with anything other than the Holy Spirit. And then you'll have joy and you'll have thanksgiving. And, and you can get on down the road in a wonderful life that He has for us. Are you controlled by something other than the Lord? Is the Holy Spirit in control? And now we get down to the three different kinds of relationships today, husbands and wives. Verses 15 through 20 is the foundation for those three different kinds of relationships. First of all, clearly important, between parents and children, between employers and employees, slaves and masters, and especially husband and wives, verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mutual, mutual submission. The word submission means surrender, yielding, but it means probably the best way of looking at it, no longer what you want because you are under the authority of another. No longer living according to what you want out of life because you're living under the authority of another. There is no question today that the word submission has a horrible connotation to it today. No question about that. When preachers stand up and say, wives, submit to your husband. Oh my goodness, there's just all kinds of groans and strains. I decided, some ladies say, I'd never ever let anyone, anyone control me. Well, that's a sad mistake, and that's a mistake that is made today over and over. You probably have friends who say, do you believe that Bible? You say, well, yes, I do. Do you believe that, that you are to be submissive to your husband, or do you believe that your wife is to be submissive to you? And if you say, yes, I believe that's what the Bible teaches, they go, that's old-fashioned, that's cruel, that is the most horrible thing. That is, that is not respecting women. And I'm here to tell you that when you really look at what the Bible has to say about submission, the full picture of what the Bible has to say about the relationship between a husband and a wife, submission is not an ugly thing. Submission is a beautiful thing. It's very important for function. It's very important for strength. It's very important that the anchor holds in the marriage. And, and I'm here to tell you, it's very important for society. You don't have to be in a country very long in any kind of society where you begin to see that the man is not being a man in the home and you see the, the how, how fragile that society is. When men do not follow the responsibility they have as the spiritual leader of the home and taking care of their wife and their children in the way that God wants, their, the economy of, of the country is just bankrupt. The morality in the country is bankrupt. There's no security in the families. And it puts young girls in such a diff, difficult place to be in. They're always looking for love and they never really truly ever find love because men do not know what loving ladies 
is all about. And they love only as a result of what they get out of it, the pleasure for themselves. And so I think it's really important that we understand how important the relationship is between the husband, the wife, and the wife, the husband. But first of all, their mutual submission to the Lord. That has got to be number one. If the husband wants to serve the Lord and be submissive to him and, and, and be led by the Holy Spirit and controlled by the Holy Spirit, and he's doing all he can to be followed the, what the Lord wants, and the wife wants no part of that, it is a very triangle. There's a broken leg. It's not strong. It doesn't survive storms. On the other side of that, the husband is not being a man, and he's still a little boy, and he's not taking care of what God has laid before him as his responsibility in the family, in the home, in the church, as a spiritual leader. And so it's really, really important that we understand that for marriages to be led by the Holy Spirit, there needs to be mutual submission. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells a story, and we all sing this story, and it's the idea of the three pig story. And, and it's, we always think it's only for children. Boy, this is not only for children. This is for all of us, no matter our age. Very simple teaching, but extremely important to obey and understand. Understanding what the Lord wants from you. Very important. So listen to these words of Jesus. Anyone who listens to my teaching... So here you are listening to his teaching. Here you are. And follows it is wise. So very clearly right up front, you got to act on it. That person who listens to the teaching and follows it is wise. This is what that person is like. It's like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. Now, when they build houses, what do they do? They drill piers. They drill piers down to what? That blue shell? Is that what they're drilling down to? They drill down to that bedrock. And when they get down to where they can't drill anymore, then they're ready to pour the piers, put the the rebar in there, and get that house foundation where it's supported on the rock. That's a wise building of a home. There needs to be an understanding. Listening to the words of Jesus and following the words of Jesus is like drilling down to that bedrock for the foundation of your home, of your family, of your relationship. When storms come... And guess what? Storms are going to come. Girls turn into teenagers. Storms come. The guys turn into teenagers. I love Mark Twain's deal. When your teenager gets to be 13, put him in a whiskey barrel, cut a hole in the whiskey barrel, and feed him through the hole. And when they get 16, close the hole up. That's what he said. Verse 26, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, 
when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So there you, there you go. More important than the submission of the wife, more important than the leadership of the husband is mutual submission to the Lord. Both the man and the lady, husband and wife, are listening to the Lord, obeying what the Lord says. Obeying what the Lord says about forgiveness, about grace, about love, about prayer, about faith, about living for Him, about what it means to be a person that is overcoming things in life because of Jesus. Further, submit to one another out of reverence for, for Christ. For wives, verse 22, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. So there you have it right there. It's clear as a bell. We don't need to have some big statement. We don't have a sign outside the church. Long, long time ago, the Word of God was in place, and Paul, through the Holy Spirit, says to us, for wives, this means submit to your husband as to the Lord. So as you have submitted to the Lord, you are to submit yourself to your husband. That means you recognize that your husband is in lead of your home. He's the head. He's the leader of your home. For husbands, for wives, this means submit to your husbands. It says in verse 23, for a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. A church is dysfunctional when Jesus is not the leader of the church. And so we see here the clear teaching that the husband in function, in place of leadership, is the head of the family. It says that Jesus is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so the wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Submission means that, um, that you respect your husband, that you honor your husband, that you love your husband. Um, and we will understand here in just a moment how this fully comes around. It does not say that wives are second-class citizens. When you see the cultures, when you see the different even religions, that the ladies, the women are taught to always be behind their husbands, to never have an opinion, to not have anything to say, the husbands has complete control out of everything that goes on in the family. That's not the word of the Lord. That's people, that's man taking over and saying the way it's going to be. You probably have seen in, on airplanes and in airports and when you travel around the world how different cultures treat women. Long, long time ago, I was in Brazil and, and the pastor had a little bitty VW bug. And uh, we would go around the town and we would go around the town and, and do different ministries throughout the course of those two weeks. And his wife would always go with us. And I, and I was really young then. I could hop in the back of that that bug now, no problem. And, and, and he was up in age. He was probably in his seventies and his wife was as well. And every single time they would come to pick me up, she would hop out of the front seat and get in the back. And it bothered the hound out of me. 
And I would say, no, 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 you sit in the front. And she says, no, no, I, you, you know, she'd always make it so that I was in the front. And I'd always give in. And go, okay, okay. And so finally, after two or three days of this, before we got to the bug, I, I said to his wife, I said, ma'am, please, please let me sit in the back. I'm okay sitting in the back. I mean, I don't need to sit in the front, please. And she said, no, 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 no. That would disrespect my husband. Disrespect your husband, and obviously I didn't understand what was going on, but 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 I get it, and I'll get I'll get in the front, get in the back, lady, get on, you know, get in the back. Now, he loved her, and he honored her, and he loved her in the right way. However, I mean, it was hard for her to get in that back seat. And it was in their culture, is in their way, that he's the man, he's the head, and, and a man should never, ever sit behind you. And for the life of me, I don't think that's what the Lord wants. That's not what the Lord wants. And here's how I know that's true. Look in verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her. Husbands, you are to love your wife sacrificially. You are to love your wife sacrificially. Now, if you're loving your wife sacrificially, then she does not walk 10 feet behind you. She walks right up there beside you so that you can hold on to her, so you can hold her hand, so she can take your arm and you can support her and you can sacrifice for her. She goes in the door first. Unless there might be a man in there with a gun or a bat, then you go in first. Right? You sacrifice for her. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. So the second in the illustration or application, what it means to love Christ, to love your wife like Christ loved the church is, you will sacrifice for her and her spiritual growth will be extremely important to you. You Need You want her to go to that Bible study. You want her to attend uh, spiritual activities because that's your role. As Jesus is making for himself a bride to be presented as a spiritual leader of your home, you desire that your wife grows spiritually. That means you grow spiritually. And you lead your wife. It means that you share with her in spiritual conversations, that you strengthen her, that you support her. Men, if your wife is leading the way to church activities, you're out of spot. You're out of place. Men, if your wife reads the Bible more than you do, you have missed what it means here. You need to man up and get on with it. Quit letting your wife control everything. Quit letting your wife determine this and that and the other. You're supposed to be the spiritual leader of your home. 
Now, this day and time, another thing that's going on today is, is I think that the idea, and I think Satan has made it so that submission is a dirty word today. And, and I think that somehow or another, he has convinced men today that, that being spiritual and, and following Jesus and, and being men of compassion and commitment and great conviction when it comes to the home is somehow or another weak. Weak. It's not weak at all. It's strength. It's strong. Jesus was a meek man. A meek man. Strength under control. Isn't it amazing that Jesus could have called down 10,000 angels, it says, at any given point, any given moment, and He chose not to. And that's the way that we are to be, men. Strong in the Lord. Strong with purpose for the Lord. He did this to present, verse 27, heard himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish and said, she will be holy and without fault. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it. Just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. And then we see the higher purpose of our marriage relationships. As the scripture says, verse 31, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So the picture that Jesus has for husbands and wives is a picture of Christ in the church. It's a message to the world. It's a testimony to the world. It is a mystery. But here's the mystery. The husband and wife leave their mothers and fathers, and they cleave to one another, and they are united into one, and they are a picture of who Jesus is in this world. And the picture is brightest, clearest, when the man loves his wife like Jesus loves the church and the wife respects her husband. I've heard it said many times, and perhaps it's true, that, that very few ladies would ever not desire to submit to their husbands if they're loved like Jesus loves the church. There is compassion the man has compassion for his wife. There is conviction about their partnership, about their marriage. The man is committed to the relationship. The man's not looking around. He's committed to his wife. He's conviction about that commitment. He has compassion for her, willing to love her, willing to nurture her, willing to be her support and her help and guide her. There's communication that takes place in that relationship. And, and fellas, we all, as men, we, if we haven't already learned to communicate, we got to learn to communicate because most of us aren't any good at it. So let your wife teach you what it means to listen, to talk, to truly talk, to not mumble, and, and don't use as the reason when you get home that you've already used up all your words because the relationship's way too important for that. 
when you come home, have you a staging, a place where you get your mind right, get your heart right, and get on in there. Love your wife like Jesus loves the church. Don't waste your opportunities every single time. And just allow your marriage to grow to a bright testimony and witness of Jesus. People will believe in Jesus because of the love that you have for your wife and the respect that the wife has for the husband. They can see how the children are more secure, how the children are more fulfilled, how the children are healthier because of the love that they have for each other. Mutually submissive to the Lord, wives submissive to their husband in all things, and husbands loving their wife like Jesus loved the church. Now, the only way those three things can be in place is when the Holy Spirit is in leadership. The Holy Spirit is in leadership. I've been married since 1981, and it's real surprising, but so has Susan. Susan and I were married on December 18th, 1981, and in, in glorious San Angelo, Texas. So this December, we, we, we will have been married 36 years. 36 years. Amen. Now, on December 18th, 2031, I want you all to go ahead and save the date. 2018, 2031, we will have been married 50 years, Lord willing. See if I can get some health issues rectified and get on down the road. Now, I've been saying this at weddings for the last several years, and, and, and this is really my heart's desire for our marriage. There, there are really two things that I want to be a result of our marriage, really three things, but two things really primarily. First of all is I want my two kids and I want my grandkids. I, I want them to, to, I want them to be able to say at my funeral, you know, big dog, he pursued Jesus with all his heart. That's what I want them to know about me. I want them to, you know, I, I don't want them to know the other stuff that might be okay, but I want them to be focused. And I want what shouts the loudest is that, that, their husband, their dad, their grandpa, great-grandpa perhaps. No, not by then. I don't think that's a good idea. And so, uh, <laughs> but, you know, down the road. Uh, he lived for Jesus. He pursued Jesus. And the thing that I want my wife to be able to say on that day in 2031, Lee, I'll marry you all over again. I really want that. Now, there have been days, hadn't there? On my part, right? I mean, not for you, because you're about the most perfect thing there is right there. Uh, there have been days that marriage has been hard. It's been difficult. There have been days that I just flat out didn't understand. There have been days that I was wrong, 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 and I took a lot of days to figure out I was wrong. And, and I've been hard to live with. I am hard to live with. I'm hard to deal with even today. But she stuck with me, and there is commitment in our marriage. And I'm very blessed.
And I'm thankful, and I'm here to tell you, clearly here to tell you that without the Holy Spirit being the controller and our mutually being submissive to the Lord, man, I, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. I, I, my strong is flesh. My, my flesh is strong, and I get things really out of sorts. And I need, I need the pulling in. I need the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so I'm thankful. Susan, would you renew your wedding vows with me today? Thank you. Philip's going to come and lead us in this. All right, we're going to read this. This is 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. It says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Lee, do you, in the presence of God and these assembled witnesses, promise to love and cherish in sickness and health, in prosperity and adversity, this woman whose hand you now hold? Susan, do you, in the presence of God and these assembled witnesses, promise to love and cherish in sickness and health, in prosperity and adversity, this man's hand you now hold? Let me kiss the bride. <laughs> Did it again, didn't we? Sort of. Ushers, please come forward for our offering this morning.